We are New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. A community church in the city of Chicago, all over the city, for the good of the city. Right now, we are in the midst of our series, Uncommon Prayer. A look through the Psalms and how God speaks to us in our emotions in our time of need. Wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message. Louis Katzoff was a professor at the university and he had one goal in mind. One goal, okay? Louis Katzoff was a very, very outspoken atheist and he said, I'm going to try as much as I can in my classes to get my students to question their belief in this outdated, old hangover from the past called Christianity. All right, there's even some movies about this, whatever kind of thing, but this is a true story, okay? Problem is, he had an arch enemy on campus. The campus had a campus pastor named David Yates, okay? David Yates had the exact opposite plan in mind. His plan was to keep all of the students in their faith, make sure that they still believed at the end of their time at the university. All right, so going through this was like a whirlwind. They were getting pulled every which way, all that kind of thing. Well, Pastor uh, Yates got to be known pretty famously throughout the U.S. because he was unrelenting in his commitment to this book. After World War II, churches all over had celebration services. He had a, he had a service of repentance for all the lives that were killed during the war. People left that service angry at him, thought that he was unpatriotic, but he was undeterred. He didn't care. He didn't care at all. He's, his number one goal was to please God, not man. And at that time, when segregation was happening, people were split and they thought that that was God's will. It, literally, pastors taught that it was God's will that the church would be segregated based on your skin color. David Yates constantly preached against that despite people getting so angry with him, leaving his church, getting so many people riled up. David Yates was unrelenting in his devotion to this book. Well, fast forward 30 years, and at some, uh, some, some university reunions, some class reunions, they bump into this professor. Remember the atheist one? They bump into him, and he's now a baptized believer. And the students are like in shock. What happened? You were like, uh, you were part of the reason that I walked away from my faith. <laughs> what are you doing now attending the church? And he's like, you know, David Yates finally got to me. And they're like, what? David Yates? You could outthink him, outsmart him. You had more knowledge. How could he outdo you? And he said, no, he didn't outthink me. David Yates outlived me. He outlived me. This Sunday starts our third and final fast of the week. Woo! Are you with me? Some of you dragging your way to the computer. I mean, you're maybe barely making it to this service. You're lying in bed moaning as you flipped on your phone. Anybody here with me on that? Yeah. <laughs> 
This is a hard, hard thing to go through. And you know, the funny thing about fasting is that it's a spiritual battle. There's a real enemy that wants to destroy you. And it doesn't really matter how hard you think it's going to be. Believe me, if you decide, I'm going to fast from chocolate ice cream, all of a sudden, vanilla ice cream just doesn't do it anymore. You eat all the vanilla ice cream you can, but you want chocolate. You wake up in the middle of the night and you're standing by your freezer with the chocolate ice cream in your hands. That is what happens when you try to give up something and you fill it with prayer. The spiritual enemy is like, no, I'm going to break that in your life. That's why fasting is so hard because the enemy knows that when you give something up to be able to fill it, with God, in order to, that's the important part, in order to seek something better. Man, that gets him so riled up and he wants to destroy your life. So you thought like this would be a breeze and all of a sudden it's been like you're dragging through here. Who's been experiencing something like this already? Can I get an amen? Hmm? Come on, post what it is in the feed right now. I want you to post what it is that you've been struggling with. Maybe a word that God has given you, a verse. Maybe just give me an emoji about how you're feeling. Put it in there. Let me see. Let me see how you're doing. You Let me know that you're here with us on this fast. Let me know. Come on. That's what we need, right? That's what we need, the ability to share what's going on. We need this God. God, give us complete freedom. God, help us. May we be a church who is real with each other. That's what I'm feeling this morning. I'm feeling that we need to walk through this together. Who was blessed by the last couple messages about praying up and praying in? Hmm? Has it been directing your week? Has it been directing your week? These have been awesome for me as we've been getting these daily prayer texts. You know, we've got that the prayer and worship night on Fridays. It's like a one-two combo. We get supercharged as you go through this and you start leveling up in your faith. It may feel like your body's leveling down, especially as you're losing some pounds. Yes, we all need that too. Maybe that's leveling up. But we need to level up in our spiritual level. And I want to speak real quick to those of you that are feeling like you're failing at this whole thing. I want to speak directly to you because maybe you're sitting here and you thought this idea for fasting was really great, but then you failed. You gave in and you're over at La Michoacana and you're like, seven scoops of ice cream, please. And then you see somebody from the church walk by and you're like, ah, you just run away crying and you just disappear. I want to speak to you right now because Even if you failed, you're not a failure. You can pick yourself back up and continue with us and finish with us strong. You can finish this with us. Even if you failed, you took a bite of that thing that you had hidden away and you went and pulled it out and you ate it in secret and said you'd tell nobody and you feel so ashamed. I'm telling you, you can still finish this last week with us. There is no shame, no condemnation. Pick yourself back up. You are not a failure. Walk with us and help us finish strong. Or maybe for some of you, you've been fasting, you've been staying strong, 
but it has been hard. You've been on the cranky level plus 13 and everybody around you has been feeling it. Especially the other drivers when you get the road rage, okay? Some of those fingers start going up or maybe like you're cursing at least in your head at people, right? I know it's going on because, well, I'm a human too, okay? So, you know, when we're fasting, we just get so cranky. It's like that spiritual battle, that physical battle, all of it rolled up in one. And you're wondering, what's the point? I have not felt a breakthrough. I have not seen anything that Pastor Galen has been telling me. And let me tell you, there's something about finishing. Sometimes God waits till the end. And I believe by faith that God wants to do something in your life. And I'm challenging you to finish strong and to do this. Do this with me. Take your hands and just open your hands. Open your hands. Know that open expectations. God, whatever you want to do, not what I think you should do in my life, or I want this breakthrough in my bank account, or I want this breakthrough in my belly. No, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Whatever it is, opening your hands completely and saying, God, do it in my life through this fast. This week we're finishing with the final week of our series. Say it with me. Uncommon prayer. I heard no one. Say it again. Uncommon prayer. There we go. You are with me. You're alive and awake. Because a fast without prayer is just a diet. Just a diet. Fast without prayer is just a diet. Thank you, Brooke Holcomb. A lot of us could really use to lose some pounds, but that's not why we're doing this. We need more of you, God. We need more of you, God. Come down and speak to us in this fast. Help us sit at your feet and listen. This last week was focused on praying out. That's what we want to focus on in this last week. Just like that pastor that didn't outreason the atheist professor, but instead he outlived him. We want our lives to have such an impact on this world and our prayers to be aligned with that. So praying out, how do we pray for the good of our city, our neighborhood, and the people all around us? So turn with me to Psalm 122. You got a printed Bible, turn there. Psalm 122. Um, this is, uh, if you have a, a digital Bible, you can go there. If you pull it up on your browser. We're going to have it on the screen too. I want to challenge you to follow along. Brennan said it so good last week. There's something powerful when you read it with your own eyes, when you engage with it and you're still just like sitting back and like, all right, just let me just let, it, let this come in. Instead, be aggressive. Come in and like take the word. And you're like, I'm going to read this. I'm going to find out what it says. Is Pastor Galen telling the truth? Let me see what it says. Turn to Psalm 122. Be ready for that, okay? We're, who's been enjoying going through the Psalms? for this last month. The Psalms, as Brennan said, it's like a record, right? Like an album. You get so much from it as you go through it. The Psalms are like the emotions that like go at your gut. They grab you and, and pull at your heart. And when you're reading these, you start to tear up a little bit maybe. It starts to pull at your emotions. You're like, God, what are you doing? It's like, what's going on? It's because these part, this part of the Bible was intended to be the emotional way of connecting with you of pulling at you. And that's what this part of the Bible is for. Every part is different, but these are the words that get to the emotions of our heart. And this Psalm is no different. Psalm 122. Notice that it starts out with one of these little descriptions here. 
You ever seen those? The beginning of the Psalms, it says, Brennan said last week, the only Psalm that was from Moses, right? That's what it said at the beginning. That's actually the scriptures, okay? Those little numbers, like Psalm 122, this is actually not the scriptures, okay? Somebody went through later, like hundreds of years later, and numbered them so we'd have a system to know. They put the verse numbers and everything. Originally, it was just one long scroll, okay? But this here, this is actually a part of the scriptures. This was inspired. And look what it says. Somebody say, yell it out. Nope. Too far. Go back. <laughs> Just this. <laughs> a song of a sense of David. Brick was getting too hasty. She wanted to read the whole psalm already. No, we're reading a song of a sense of David. And you know, if you're like me when you read that, you probably are like, mm-hmm, okay, I'll take what I can from that. This is from David, not the three Davids we have in the church, but in fact, David, the king from the Old Testament. And we'll skip past this little nice little thing here, which means nothing to us. But that first phrase has a lot more to it than we can imagine. This little phrase, song of a sense, has everything to do with what we're going to talk about this morning. For anyone who's been to Israel, who's studied Israel, you like Google Earth or whatever, you're like so obsessed, so you go there and you just look at it all. When you're in Israel, which way is Jerusalem? Do you go north? South, east, west. Which way is it? You're like, I don't know. It depends on where you're at, I think. Wrong! It is up. Jerusalem is up. Jerusalem is on top of a mountain. I mean, literally on top of a huge hill. If the Bible talks about it that way, Jerusalem on the mountain, that's why it was so hard to capture. You know, I, I've been blessed to go to Israel several times and go to Jerusalem, and it takes about 20 or 30 minutes of winding up a, on a bus, like 50 miles per hour, to get to the top to where Jerusalem is. That's the kind of mountain that it's on. So to get to Jerusalem, you have to go up, up right? That's right. On all sides. There's no getting around it. You have to go up. And here's the thing you need to know. The Jewish people viewed Jerusalem as the holy city. This is where the temple was, where the throne was, where the king sat. They saw this as like the pinnacle. This is where God decided to dwell in a special way on earth. In the center of that temple, the holy of holies. You know, and so Jewish people would do this thing called pilgrimage. They would go on a pilgrimage to see Jerusalem. They would grow up for their whole lives hearing about it. They would go up singing songs about it, and they would dream about it. Since they were a little boy or a little girl, I just can't wait to see Jerusalem. Jerusalem, God's chosen city. And even today, Jewish people are are travel from all over the world to take this pilgrimage to see Jerusalem. When they get there, they're dancing or they're weeping. It was awesome seeing it. You just see people at the, at the temple wall just like broken down because they've dreamed about this moment for their whole lives. You got to understand that about Jerusalem, okay? You got to understand that. Now, what's a pilgrimage in modern terms? Hmm? 
what would you say is the most like that? I don't know, maybe like a cross-country road trip, right? Where you're like, all get as many people as you can so you can save on that gas money, split the cost or whatever it is, and cram into a car. I mean, everybody. You got your cousins. Normally, the back seat holds three. You've got six. You put a couple little kids in the back trunk. You get everybody in there, and you just travel for weeks and weeks, and you hope that the end is worth it, right? Like, as you're going, you smell bad, you're always hungry, you always have to pee, okay? You're going through this whole time, everyone's cranky, you haven't felt good for weeks, you can go, there's a couple more awesome road trip pictures, look at this, okay? This is a, a, a whole caravan of refugees, just like, we gotta go, so they're leaving. Go to the next one there. See, uh, these, these people were really about saving the gas money. They're like, maybe we can fit 40 people in this little van, okay? That's the most thing that I can compare a pilgrimage to, and some of you have done this. And you're like, that was the worst experience of my life growing up, going on family road trips with my family, right? No, you're looking forward to the destination, but 90% of the trip, you're just getting mad at each other, you're getting cranky, you're always asking what question? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> right? So whether or not you've experienced this before, I want to invite you this morning to get on a little trip with me. A pilgrimage. Everyone say pilgrimage. Pilgrimage. Come on, a little louder. Pilgrimage. <laughs> They're just waking up. It's all right. We'll give them some grace. Uh, you see, every single one of you has dreamed about the day that you, you, see Jerusalem with your own eyes. You're about to go on this pilgrimage. Imagine you are a Jewish person. You've dreamed about this. You've thought about it. You're wondering, how can I get Jerusalem? You've heard stories about it. You've sung songs about it. Everyone tells you it's the greatest thing. And finally the day arrives when your family decides they're going to take the risk and the hardships of the trip and traveling to Jerusalem. Now, whenever I say Jerusalem, I want to hear you guys go, whoo, because it's that great, okay? Whenever I say, Jerusalem, whoo, and then for all the cool kids who are refusing to do it, that's all right. You can just keep acting like you're too cool for school, but when I say Jerusalem, I want to hear some oohs. Jerusalem. Woo. <laughs> Someone's like, I'm not too cool. I can do it. Um. So you start out on this trip and it's all the things that I described. It's hard, right? You basically walk for 16 hours a day. You sleep on the side of the road. But the wonder, the beauty of it, you're, you're so excited for the end that it makes the trip worthwhile, all the hardships. And then after two weeks of your walking down this road, you see, no, not there yet. You, after two weeks of walking down this road, this, this forsaken road, you see a whole bunch of people riding up quick. They're covered with weapons and they start demanding all of your things. They start threatening you. They, it looks like somebody's gonna die. You're terrified, your heart's going so fast. You're like, why did we even go out on this trip? And then they just take off without even taking any of your stuff. You're like, what just happened? And you see soldiers coming from the distance, Israeli soldiers, and they saved you. And you're like, what is this trip worth it? And so you just keep going, 
week after week after week and dust has covered you. The sweat has caked that dust into mud on you and you're just so worn out. You're, everyone's doing their best just to put one foot in front of the other, one foot. But then, but then, but then, what happens? What happens? Your feet start to feel like you're going up. Your feet start to feel like you're going up and oh man, all of a sudden you start forgetting about the months of the journey, everything else, the pain, the hardships, the fear, because you're almost there. You're starting to ascend to Jerusalem. Man, and as you're ascending, someone starts singing the song of ascent. I kid you not, that's why these psalms are here, because as you're ascending to Jerusalem, you sing these songs. Yes, I'm feeling it. Come on. And you're finally experiencing it. You're finally about to see what you've been hoping for this whole trip. The whole point of this journey is concluding. And that's when you start singing this psalm. You didn't think we'd ever get there. But now you see it. You start ascending and you start singing. Look at verse 1. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates. Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That's where the tribes go up. The tribes of the Lord to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. These, there stands the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. So this psalm starts with these descriptors. Imagine that you, the one, the the Jewish boy or girl that has dreamed their whole life of seeing Jerusalem, And you're walking up and you see it with your own eyes and you start singing this song. You know, you've sung it since you were a kid. You know all the words. But now you see it with your own eyes and it has a whole new meaning. You're standing there and you're seeing it for yourself rising above you while you're singing it. It's like singing a love song. All of us hear all these love songs, pretty much every song is a love song. But then when you see that person, I'm talking about the one, and you're like, oh, there it is. I've been waiting for you, baby, my whole life. And you just start bursting out here like, you are so beautiful to me. And the person may be totally raptured by that singing or else most likely they just turn away and they're like, who is this weirdo? I was just getting in line to get my McDonald's. Okay, you know, that's what it's like. A song we can sing our whole time suddenly has a whole different meaning when we see what the song is about standing before us. We don't care anymore how bad our voice sounds. We don't even care anymore. If we get rejected, we're going to proclaim our love. We're going to sing it. And that's what's happening to you as you're singing this song. You're singing it for the first time. For the first time. 
And all of a sudden, all those words make complete sense. The gates. It talks about the gates. The gates are huge. The streets are really tiny. And we're really crammed in here. And all of the tribes of Israel have joined together and come together to this place. Can you, can you switch this slide because everybody is distracted? <laughs> that is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord to praise the name of the Lord. And you're seeing it with your own eyes and you're walking towards the temple and the palace. And it's just so beautiful to you. And you're singing the song of ascent. And here, whoo. Here at verse 6 is where it gets real. This is where the psalm is going to help us this week as we start thinking about praying out. You see, this song is where the, this reaches to the center of the city. This is when he reaches the center of the city and he sees the temple and the palace and the center of God's dwelling on earth. He sees it or she sees it. Here's the thing. This pilgrimage, this journey is for real. What does that even mean? You are on this journey for real. And hang with me here. This pilgrimage that we've been talking about with the Jewish people is real. And this psalm was used as a song of ascent for them as they concluded their pilgrimage to get to Jerusalem. But how many of you know that the psalms go way beyond just the songbook for the Jewish people. How many of you know that the apostles quoted so many times from the Psalms, seeing the prophetic realities for the future? Literally, so many of the Psalms that predicted Jesus coming was the same Psalms that David wrote, just like we're seeing here. The Psalms go way beyond your ears and they prophetically speak about the future. They, they, they make sense in their context, but they also prophetically speak about the future and they apply to us as followers of Jesus today. And this psalm is no different. Let me give you a connecting verse to help you. Look at me at 1 Peter chapter 2. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. You know, that's another word for that. Pilgrims. Right? As foreigners and exiles or pilgrims to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. I love the message version that says it like this, the same verse. Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Okay? This is how the writers of the scriptures, how God impressed on them what our life is like. We are pilgrims. Look at Philippians 3 verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't mince words. It seems to be telling you and me that when we accept God's gift of life, when we get restored and redeemed and made holy, we no longer belong here. We no longer belong here. Can I get an amen? Amen. Anyone ever feel like they don't belong? <laughs> like, how come I'm so weird? How come I don't fit in? Right? Literally, when you become a follower of Jesus, God says you no longer belong here. That's the truth. The truth, the reality. Now, we try to fit in because, you know, we don't like that. 
We try to look like the world. We try to forget about this whole thing. But that is the reality that God has said. You no longer have citizenship here on earth. You belong to an earthly kingdom. This place is no longer your home and you're on your way to the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem. Yeah. <laughs> Look with me at Revelation 3. I'm not making this up. You're like, Galen, you're getting way out there in the crazy land. No, follow me with this. Revelation 3. I am coming soon. This is Jesus talking. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Keep going. <laughs> the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down. I thank you. Coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And again, look at Revelation 21. Come on, come on, come on. Revelation 21 says, no, Revelation 21. <laughs> then I saw, there it is. Then I saw, everybody just give a round of applause for Brooke. She's doing really good. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. You remember this? We talked about this a little few weeks ago, right? I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Woo! Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain for the old order of things has passed away. Amen and amen. You see, the scriptures say that when you become a Christian, your citizenship changes. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, everything else doesn't matter as much. Your passport doesn't belong to the earthly country, but instead to the new Jerusalem. Woo! The kingdom of God. I know this is crazy to think about. Most of us are stuck on thinking that we got to somehow get really wrapped up and down in the mud of modern politics and what's happening all around us. But in fact, you are in fact a citizen of the new Jerusalem. Woo! And in between here and there, we are sojourners, pilgrims, exiles. We're on our way to the new Jerusalem, the promised kingdom that God is preparing for us since the beginning of time. And this morning, I believe that many of you need a small glimpse of this kingdom. A small glimpse of this kingdom, the same way those pilgrims were able to see it for the first time with their eyes and they just exclaimed, I've heard about it, but now I see it with my own eyes. I think you need to see the center of God's heartbeat, uh, the center of his throne, the place where it says there's no more need for the sun in the sky because the sun, S-O-N, is so bright that it lights up the whole 
place where there's no longer any pain or fear or crying or sadness, where there's unity within the body in such a way that we've never experienced and where we can see and experience God's love in such a tangible way, His presence every single moment of the rest of our existence. This is what we are pilgrims towards. This is what we are traveling to. The goal that you and I are seeking and searching after. Why we feel like we don't belong and the journey is so hard. It's like a horrible cross-country trip where you're crammed in that car going through a land that is not your home in search of the kingdom of God. And let me tell you, this morning, this glimpse is going to help you. This glimpse is going to help you. This is going to help us so much in this final week of our fast, this praying out. This praying out. Because this psalm ends by giving two, two beautiful proclamations as the singer can't even help himself as he sees the Jerusalem. Woo! They start praying in song. Look at verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May their peace be within your walls. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. You see, all of us as believers feel that pull towards the kingdom of God. And when we glimpse it, when we just get even just a glimpse, like it hasn't even been two full minutes yet, and you start proclaiming the truth about Jesus. You start proclaiming along with Jesus when he says, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Do you see what's happening? Jesus is seeing the new Jerusalem woo, with his own eyes. He's come from there and he's praying and he sees and he says, Lord, may your kingdom, the new Jerusalem, woo, come on earth as it is in heaven heaven. That's what Jesus is praying. We, when we see it with our eyes, we will also desire this. And I'm sure Jesus sang this psalm and he sung it with far more reality than we can ever know. He, but he didn't see just the earthly Jerusalem. Woo. Woo. He saw what we need to see. He saw what we need to see, the reality of the kingdom of God coming to earth. You see, God has not called us, you know, not just to survive this journey to the new Jerusalem, but we are to thrive. We are to thrive. He's called us to sing this reality into being along the way. He's called us to plant, plant flowers of peace on the pathway as we are walking. He's, he's called us to get as many people as we can to join us along the journey. And he's called us to be a blessing to the world around us because we don't belong here. But we know how beautiful it is where we're going that's why you can't help yourself but exclaim this week as you see the new Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Woo! May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. Here's what these words mean for us. The first thing you need to see about the new Jerusalem woo, is the beauty of the church. The new Jerusalem is made up of men and women from across the ages who've been saved by the grace of God and now are standing in the heavenly city. 
because they've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And as you look across the Jerusalem, you see the faces of men and women from across the ages. People, some you know, many you don't, but they have given their lives to Jesus. And they have reached the kingdom. And that's what you see when you see the new Jerusalem. And you, you see people that have persevered as exiles and sojourners on the journey. The same people which the book of Hebrews says. Look at verse uh, 13 here. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things they things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Whew, you feel that? People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore... God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Whoa! Can you feel the spirit? Can you feel that? Can you feel the connection? He is saying this to you this morning. That's why this song, this, this psalm leads us to say passionately and to pray passionately for the church. Praying out is simple. Praying out is simple. Two things this morning. The first one is praying for the church. Praying for the church. That's praying out. The church is God's chosen people rescued by His grace. You and I are among them. We have nothing, nothing that has caused us to deserve being a part of this group. And no one else has. And that's why we stand here because of God's grace. And look at those prayers in Psalm 122. May there be peace in this place. May those who love you be secure. Peace and security within this place. You are here to walk alongside your brothers and sisters and to pick each other up when you've fallen, to bear each other's burdens, to rescue each other from the schemes of the devil, to laugh and cry together, to become closer than even your own family members, closer than your brother or sister, your, your, your kids or your parents. That's how close the church is supposed to be. That's the church. And you know, want to know why we need to be praying for this? Because a lot of the times, that's not how it is. That's not how it is. Many, 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 many of us have been hurt by the church. We've been hurt by the church. I'm not talking about the kind of hurt where you were confronted by your sin and you just got mad and walked away, okay? I'm not talking about that. You needed that. You're probably still running from it, but you maybe need to hear that this morning. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of hurt through jealous movements that work as competition with other churches to have the biggest numbers, money, finances. I'm talking about the legalistic movements that add things to the Bible, subtract things from the Bible. I'm talking about the churches that have manipulated and messed with you out of some sort of broken, messed up, Satan-driven idolatry. And I know so many of us have experienced that. And I want to apologize to you this morning if that's you. If that's how you've experienced the church. That's not the way it was meant to be. Sometimes the leaders are far more broken than the rest of the church. And that's the way that God sometimes uses us in our brokenness. It's not the way it was meant to be. God help us. God help us to be the church here. And I want you to join me this week in praying for the holiness of the church, 
for our brothers and sisters across the world and specifically here in our country that have gone so far astray from what it means to follow you. And instead of being that blessing family, we have instead hurt the very people that God loves the most. That there would be able, that the church would be able to walk in the word without subtracting or adding to it. Pray with me that the church would be able to call out sin regardless of how uncomfortable it makes us feel. Pray with me that the church will be able to learn to be a part of the kingdom of heaven instead of stooping into the mud of earthly kingdoms. Pray with me that we would experience the power of God that we see in this book, in the church, in the book of Acts, that we be truly what Jesus said when he, when he said in John 14, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. This is what I want you to pray with me this week as we pray out. Pray for the church in this way. Here's the second exclamation of prayer right after this. This ends this psalm and it says, For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. You see, when the kingdom of God starts to come down to earth, things start getting turned upside down. Just like in Acts 17 where it says, those that have turned the world upside down have come here too. Things start erupting when the kingdom of God comes to earth. People start getting saved. Lives start going in a different direction. And all these people around you, the ones that drive you crazy, your co-workers, your neighbor, you know, the one that's always like pow, 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 banging on your floor. I got one of those, you know, sometimes. And it just like drives you nuts. And then I, it's so helpful to remember, this is the one that's lost. This is the one that God came to save. You know, that's why I try to remind myself when I'm getting annoyed with somebody because of course you're acting that way. You don't have the spirit of God in you. I would never say that to them. I do not recommend saying that. Okay, but you can know it and you can say, hey, I should be the one that's acting differently. This person is lost, far from God, the same way I was. God help me to, to be a vessel to help bring them to you. we truly fall in love with God and we seek to see his kingdom here on earth, we start passionately praying out for the church and we also start praying for the lost. Praying for the lost. That's the second exclamation I see here. When was the last time you thought like this psalmist? Look what, look what he says at the beginning of that. For the sake of my family, for the sake of my friends, for the sake of my neighbors, for the sake of Rogers Park, for the sake of Chicago. Lord Jesus, may heaven's peace come down. May we seek the prosperity of the kingdom of God. Notice that, that this is what this verse is calling to you. I will seek your prosperity. That's what it's saying. How many of us get stuck on our own prosperity? We're like, man, I just need that paper, right? Like we're trying to build our own kingdom. I need a bigger car. I need a bigger house. I need more food in my pantry. I need to get up on that levels on my video game. I need to beat every level on this little candy crush, whatever it is. You get stuck on your own world and you're building up me, me, me. And that's, there's nothing wrong with these things when they're in the right place. But we've lost the brokenness for the lost. And that's what's happening here when he says, you know, I seek the prosperity of God's kingdom. 
And that's how I want to end by challenging you this week. Praying out is seeking the prosperity of God's kingdom over ours, God's values over ours, God's heart over ours. Are you with me? Hmm? Amen. Let me tell you something. God's heart beats pretty hard for your neighbor. God's heart beats pretty hard for your sister. God's heart beats pretty hard for your video game friend. God's heart beats pretty hard for that cashier at 7-Eleven. Make a list this week. Let's end this week fasting by praying out for the church and for the people who are in desperate need of knowing Him. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we worship You. We come before You, God, because You are the only one that saves. God, help me. Help me to love my neighbors. Help me to seek your kingdom above all else. Help us as the church to seek your kingdom above all else. May you purify the church. May you make the church holy the way it was meant to be. May we see greater things than even you did here on earth done through the church. May we see miraculous things. May we see you move in a powerful way. May we see the neighborhood, Rogers Park, people that are so lost come to know you. May we see unity among the churches. May we see love within our church, God. God, I pray for anyone listening this morning that is your spirit is touching their heart. I pray that they would not be silent. I pray that they would not turn away. God, help them to respond to you. Do what you do best. Put your grace upon this person. Help them to know you. I pray, God, that you would have them send a text to our prayer line. I pray that they would call. They would send a text that we could call and talk to them. I pray they would leave a comment on there. I pray they would reach out to a person they know that is a Christian. I pray that they would come to a church so they could know more about you. God, do not let this person just walk away this morning. And I pray for my brothers and sisters who are listening that needed to hear this, that needed to be challenged but encouraged, God. I pray that you would give us a glimpse of the new Jerusalem. Woo! God, may we see it and be changed because of it. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen. You have been listening to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. If you have been blessed by this message, please let us know. Now go and live a new life.